0: So, welcome to follow an interview with Honorary Doctor. My name is Harri Oinas Kukkonen, and our guest today will be Honorary Doctor Reid Hoffman. Reid Hoffman is an American internet entrepreneur, venture capitalist, and author. Reid co-founded LinkedIn, and he is currently a partner at Greylock one of the leading venture capital firms in Silicon Valley. He is the co-author of three best-selling books, Start Up Of You, The Alliance, and Blitz Scaling. He is also the host of the podcast Masters of Scale. Reed has influenced research and teaching of emerging information technologies, globalization and entrepreneurship, in the University of Oulu. In this interview, we will get to know more closely the life and career of entrepreneur investor, Reid Hoffman, who will be conferred as honorary doctor in the 11th conferment ceremony of University of Oulu. Welcome, Reid Hoffman. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. So so you grew up in Berkeley, California. How was your childhood like?
1: Well, I think my childhood was probably like many people's childhoods. Um, a little bit of curiosity, a little bit of confusion. Um, you know, I I had, I know, uh, I, I, I think maybe perhaps one of the things that's not totally unique but somewhat different than some people's childhoods is I, I was a huge fan of science fiction. So I would read a ton of science fiction and that gave me a little bit of a of a of a question about the the stage that I would play on being the stage of humanity. um like how who are we, and who should we be? and 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 how does technology play into that? and what what should you be doing? and And reading those early science fiction books, I think, made that my palette. But other than that, you know, I was a kid, I played games, I had a paper route, you know, I, 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 I sometimes did well at school, sometimes not so well at school. It was it, it was, uh, you know, kind of a, a classic um, American west coast childhood.
0: So, so then you, you did a bachelor's degree in the symbolic systems program at Stanford University and after that continued uh, studies in the University of Oxford uh, where you did masters in philosophy? What do these studies? What did they mean for you?
1: So, when when I first got to university, I was kind of still in this question of like, what is the human quest? What is what is meaning of life? What is uh, you know where do we where what who are we with each other? And what I realized is one of the central things about human beings, obviously, is we are. We are uh, kind of creatures uh, that think, that reason, that communicate, that speak, in addition, of course, to play and create and, you know, and make art and all the rest. And um, what I wanted to do was understand that kind of thought and language. I wanted to understand how we communicated, how we understood each other, how we reasoned uh, to kind of better truths about ourselves and about the world and who we should become. And so my undergraduate was a degree called Symbolic Systems, which is rather like artificial intelligence and cognitive science. And in doing that, I realized that we didn't really have a good model for what thinking and language was. We didn't like we do it. We understand it just like many other things in in our lives. But we don't we don't we, we can't describe it. We can't say why it works. Like, how is it that we exactly understand each other? When do we really misunderstand each other? How does language actually, in fact, really work? I mean, philosophers, you know, Um, Throughout the ages including Kant and Wittgenstein are still all you know We're really working very hard at this and didn't know and so I thought okay well Maybe philosophy uh, could help with that and so that's part of the reason why I applied for Marshall Scholarship and went to Oxford and, and, and Studied philosophy was an attempt to understand that and 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 you know What I learned was there was a lot of great philosophical tools But we still don't really understand what thinking and speaking is even though we do it
0: So did you ever consider a career in
1: academia? I did. Originally, I was thinking I would be because of that interest in in understanding, you know, the kind of this this thinking and language of of humanity. And it was one of the things that, you know, I always uh, enjoy uh, participating with academic uh, institutions and professors uh, because that notion of applying thinking to making our lives better, to understanding better is one of the things that, that is very deep to me. But the other thing that I had discovered was that I also, you know, back to that kind of science fiction childhood, that kind of I want to play at scale the, the, of humanity. Um, what I realized was, is like, well, okay, the academic career, at least in the path that I was seeing, you know, kind of looked like, you know, study intensely a, uh, you know, one, you know, very focused area of scholarship. And what I wanted to do was say, well, how does society evolve? How do you make interventions that... Uh, help us be better as individuals and as society. And uh, and because I'd gone to Stanford as an undergraduate, I actually then realized, actually, in fact, there's this notion of entrepreneurship, of creating new products, and that those new products in s- themselves may be something that has kind of a, 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 a society-wide, a global-wide scope. And maybe that was an interesting place to apply the the kind of the learnings and the thinkings that I was getting uh, from academia.
0: So then you co-founded your first company in 1997. So that was based on social networks. And that that happened already way before social networks became big. Um, So how did that happen? How did you recognize, how did you see this emerging new opportunity so early on?
1: So I didn't necessarily know that there was going to be a whole trend across the internet. What I did know was that the thing that um, when, frequently, when a lot of um, software design and, it, and, and thinking about design in the future is taught, it's taught in this context of people, places, and things. And what I had kind of really focused on was that when you think about, you know, kind of like the Aristotle uh, conception of people, um, that, you know, we're, creatures of the polis, right? It's frequently in English, slightly misconceived as political animals. It's really kind of more social animals, city animals, you know, tribal animals. And uh, and so people, 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 rather than people, places and things is a thing. And so I knew that that was the area that I wanted to try to help create something that would be useful. So it wasn't so much as thinking, okay, there's gonna be the all of Web 2.0 is gonna be the social network overlay on the internet as much as this is one of the really fundamental things to helping people find their better selves, to helping societies evolve and it's this pattern of changing social space through the internet space, through the electronic space. And that was the thing that I knew from the when from when I applied to my first job at Apple was the thing that I wanted to be working on. Now once you start thinking that way, it naturally plays out that you start thinking social net and social networking, and you start thinking about things like identity and communications, and you start thinking about networks as platforms, all of the things that lead to social networking um, where so I you know had kind of started on that path earlier than than many internet entrepreneurs and many of the zeitgeist of the means of the technology creation. But it wasn't so much as predicting the zeitgeist as thinking about, you know, uh, how do we make, Ourselves uh, better as individuals and as groups uh, in terms, of and then use uh, internet technologies uh, as a as a way to do that.
0: So, so PayPal then is a very well known and widely used electronic ser- service for money transfer. And you were in the board of directors when the company was founded, and you also served the company as chief operating officer. And uh, exec- executive vice president. So, now that you look back and and think about PayPal, what do you consider to be the biggest achievement, your achievement, with PayPal? I think
1: it's funny when when you have things that are as intense as startups. It's 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 frequently hard to pick the best the the best or the biggest achievement because the the in startups it's frequently between the company failed and died and then it succeeded and created something that was new for the world and society or, or important. Uh, and so my, um, uh, you know, kind of my uh, part of the executive team in building this thing that kind of created a new network of payments, allowed individuals and small businesses to participate in electronic uh, payments and accelerated kind of commerce globally was obviously something that was like was a great, team. I'd say for me personally, um, a lot of the problems that were handed to me were when you're establishing a new platform, you have a lot of, um, call it uh, kind of competitive rejection. It can be competitive rejection from Visa and MasterCard. It can be competitive rejection from eBay. It can be competitive rejection from the banking system and government regulation. And um, most often, I was the person tasked with navigating that. Uh, matter of fact, in all of those cases, I was the person <laughs> tasked with navigating that. And so you say, "All right, how do you, how do we um, get through that that kind of network or competitive rejection? We get um, uh, allowed to exist, you know, in the society and then improve society from that." I'd say that was probably the the set of activities, because you know, without that, probably PayPal would have never succeeded. And so that's probably the part that personally, I, um, uh, I was most responsible for.
0: And, and after PayPal, you, you shifted into business or organization-oriented online social networks. Uh, you, you ended up co-founding LinkedIn, um, so well-known company uh, and, and, and service being used globally everywhere. Uh, so, so you have served in various leading positions in LinkedIn uh, most recently, chairman of the board. Now, if we travel back in in history, how did you come up with the idea of LinkedIn?
1: Well, it actually came back from the social net idea uh, time, not surprisingly. So, social net, the idea was uh, focused on how do you um, build various relationships that matter to people, like a topology. So, there's obviously. Dating relationships, but then there's also like sports and activities, finding people to play tennis or or football with. Uh, then there was roommates, and one of them was was professional colleagues. Uh, we called it a social network, working network. And when I was looking back at what are the things that I thought were the, was whether was the biggest gap, the least understanding, and the most need for it, I realized that the professional relationships and the thinking about that was was one of the more important things because it affected people's uh, work careers. It affected their abilities to be competent and effective as professionals. Um, it affected their ability to learn, um, to be able to, to do entrepreneurship, make make work happen. And so when uh, we sold PayPal to eBay, I then said, okay, well, what's, what, what is the place where there's still a massive need for a network that would transform, you know, kind of our lives? And I was like, well, actually, in fact, in this, Area of work in this area of career. And in far, part, one of the things that was really key, and this is something that I do a lot in investing and a lot of entrepreneurship, is where are you contrarian but right? And so, like most people thought, well, I don't even think there's a category here. Like when we started it, um, there was a site called Friendster, it's like Facebook. Um, and people said, oh, LinkedIn is like Friendster, but for business, which is kind of, you know, kind of. Basically incomprehensible, uh, but kind because of it's because it's a different thing. It's like you say, um, um, you know, m- maybe something like, well, um, uh, you know, Microsoft is YouTube, but for productivity, and you're like, well, wait, it's not, it just it's 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 a different, it's it's a different area, right, in terms of how to do that. And so that was the reason I I focused on it because I think if we establish this, it could make a huge difference in a compounding way in people's lives year after year and that would be the kind of thing that would be a good thing to be added into the the set of ways that we navigate life that we communicate and collaborate with each other that we that we that we we think about like well what is the meaning of my life and what am i doing well it's cuz i have this really great work that i can be very effective at over my career
0: so, so LinkedIn is, is, is strongly based on a social network analysis, uh, which is a research area of its own. Uh, there is a long research tradition, 40, 50 years of, of, of scientific academic research on it. Uh, when you originally developed the product, did you look into this 40, 50 years of research into network analysis and in more general, what do you think? Do the tech companies really listen to scientists the academia and and draw lessons from there. So, I certainly did some,
1: uh, partially my own academic background, um, and uh, and also the the interest in trying to figure out like okay, I have this theory about how we live in networks and how uh, interventions by creating certain kinds of internet software products can can improve both us individually and collectively, and how that applies to to. You know how we work and have careers, um, and then obviously other things as well. And so I did. I didn't. I, I, um, one of the classic things in entrepreneurship, I didn't have time to be thorough. Like I didn't have time to do the equivalent of writing a Ph.D. or 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 even a you know a a, a new scholarly paper. But I would I would grab some books and some papers and I would skim through them, looking for ideas and lenses that would affect how I would think about what the network ecosystem should look like and what are kind of attributes to that. So, so I did some. And I think that the general answer in entrepreneurship is somewhat parallel, which is there are some entrepreneurs who don't do it all. They don't have the academic background. They're just trying to, to, to make stuff happen. Uh, and by the way, there's a predisposition in entrepreneurship to be successful is you have to just act and and kind of move into it because um, the metaphor I use for entrepreneurship is you jump off a cliff and you assemble an airplane on the way down. You don't have lots of time for reflection. You don't have time. You have, you have to get the plane going. On the other hand, of course, there are um, uh, both uh, people who go into acad- uh, in entrepreneurship with PhDs and so have more, you know, kind of uh, Awareness of, of some of the depth of knowledge and 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 and, ec- and ideas and so forth within academia, and of course when you're building technologies, um, there's a lot of of interesting technological work and so forth that also frequently gets reflected into uh, entrepreneurial efforts. So so the answer is some, um, probably as always should be somewhat more, um, but also uh, you know needs to. to the, the the difference in academia and entrepreneurship is in academia you said well i really need to get to a new idea that's very coherently thought through with a lot of questions and research within a within a band of scholarship in an entrepreneurship is i need to build a product that customers are buying and it's scaling and i need to get to that as soon as
0: possible so If we we now would still speak a little bit about the the early days of LinkedIn. Now, at that time you already were a successful entrepreneur. You had a a, a tremendous experience and skill set there. Was it easy? Was it a piece of cake for you to create LinkedIn? Well...
1: One of the pieces of advice I give entrepreneurs is that almost every startup goes through what I call a valley of the shadow moment, which is like, why did you ever think this was a good idea? It looked like it's all gonna fail. Um, when I f- started my uh, first company, SocialNet, a friend of mine who had started com- uh, being an entrepreneur a few years earlier, wrote me a one-line email saying, welcome to where five minutes is the difference between exaltation and terror. You know, exultation: oh, it's all gonna work, terror, it's gonna die. Um, and so, uh, so it's always a challenging thing, even with experience, even with a strong network, even with a, a knowledge of it, because it's um, when you're trying to create something new, um, something you know that 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 doesn't exist yet. There's all kinds of different ways it can fail, and uh, and some of them have nothing to do with your skills or capabilities. They're the the luck and the timeliness of the market, the, the shape of competition, the, the question of did you pull the, the, when you're looking through the glass darkly about what are the right product plans or the right go-to-market strategy? Did you get the right elements right in the right order? There's all of the stuff that 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 you do as best you can, but you're, uh, another metaphor I use for entrepreneurship is you're running through a minefield in the fog at night. Uh, you know, like did just, you know, where did you step? <laughs> did it work? Did it not work? Um, and so the agility is very important. So it was, it was, it, it was difficult. Now it was less difficult because there were a bunch of things you knew. You knew how to hire that initial team. You knew uh, what benchmarks should look like. You knew things like um, actually get to your minimum viable product within consumer internet. Uh, you had a network to hire from. Capital was easier to come by because you were a known, um, uh, you know, kind of a founder and executive uh, for doing it. So, so, the answer was it was easier but it is still always jumping off that cliff
0: sounds like tough job to do <laughs> always <laughs> now coming to funding and investing you already mentioned now you are you are uh, currently also a partner at craylock partners uh, one of the leading venture capital firms in silicon valley so now how how do you make it happen? How, how does Greylock recognize the companies you want to invest in? And when there are there so many different options, there are so many startups who, 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 who are eager to grow and, and tell their stories. How do you recognize where to invest in?
1: One of the things that I love about the investing um, skill, practice, uh, decisioning is it's a combination of art and science. The, and what I mean by that is that there's a deep professional practice around science. So, for example, you can get a sense of what kinds of markets are good, uh, what kind of pattern you need to have in your customer set, um, what kinds of uh, technological efforts are generally achievable, um, what kinds of mindsets in entrepreneurs lead to the learning and the iteration of success, um, how do you um, uh, create good, healthy company cultures initially, uh, what are the kinds of leadership to do that, and that all kind of gets into there's a there's a set of things that you you learn you know as operators as founders but also as investors to do that, and on the other hand part of what you're doing is you're 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 looking at something new, um, and 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 there's maybe a, a little story on this which is a uh, kind of a fun encapsulation which is. I joined Greylock because of David Z, who was my most useful board member at um, LinkedIn. Uh, he, he provided a great foil and partnership to things I was doing as, as a partner at Greylock. And so when he came to say, hey, you maybe you should think about venture, I went and joined him. My very first investment at Greylock was Airbnb. And David, when we were talking about it, because you have a uh, set of partners around the table, we're talking about the what could possibly happen, what are the risks? You know, uh, is this a good, uh, you know, a bold bet for the portfolio, et cetera? David, who was super smart, one of the world-class investors, literally should be in the the Venture Capital Hall Hall of Fame, looked at me and said, look, Airbnb is never going to work, but every VC has to have a a company that they're going to learn on, so Airbnb can be your learning example of what fails. So, you know, you're fine doing it, but it's not going to work. And here is a super smart, very accomplished investor who, I joined Greylock because I wanted to be, you know, kind of close partners with David. And so I you know, obviously took that very seriously and thought very hard about it and then decided to, to make the investment. Um, and then six months later, the data hadn't changed, but David had been thinking about it. And he came to me and said, this is part of that learning curve and venture that's, that's very important. And that's what we, we practice as a partnership at Greylock. And I think it's one of the things that's important as entrepreneurs and important as investors to say, always be learning, always be learning, always be like, okay, how do I, how do I decision better? How do I think better about these things? And he said, okay, you were totally right about Airbnb and I was wrong. What did you see that I didn't see? And I said, well, you were absolutely right about all the risks that you brought out. You you brought out the risks of, you know, maybe uh, cities wouldn't like this. You brought out the regulation question. You brought up the industry opposition by hotels. You brought up about the social strangeness about leasing a room or your apartment to someone you didn't know. Like, all of these things were correct and, and could, have you know, uh, provide limitations. But – What I concluded is that they weren't certainly correct, they were possibly correct, that there were things you could do to possibly navigate them. And if you did navigate them as a company, you would create an internet treasure, you would create something that would be so important to lots and lots of people about how they navigated and experienced life, in particular travel and connecting with local communities, that it would just be huge. And so part of our job as venture capitalists is figuring out that thing that's contrarian but right and adds in something fundamentally new to human life at a kind of a society and a global level. And that's why, you know, I made the investment. Oh, okay, okay, great, that's, that's a good lens. We'll, we'll now add that one into the, the discussion that when we talk about new investments.
0: Excellent. So, so also over the years, in addition to business entrepreneurship, You have gained extensive experience in positions of trust. For example, giving advice to President Obama's administration. So what inspires and motivates you to put put your time also into so-called additional tasks and services, doing extra? So well, it really comes down to is, who are we? Who are you? What, what's your
1: participation in life and with other people? And and obviously, um, creating these new products is one of the things I hope to help us be better as individuals in society. But also, of course, we live in a society. We live um, in this kind of, this social fabric, this community together. And so you should always think, look, how am I, how do I take what I know and I'm helpful to who we're becoming? And so, not only, of course, do I, um, you know, and I, 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 I treasure President Obama as a friend, um, and was delighted to help him, um, but also uh, any uh, uh, qualified, you know, kind of uh, uh, serious intent, good world leader, I always meet with them when I can. Uh, I've met with President Macron. Um, I've met with, uh, you know, kind of uh, David Cameron. You know, I, I, I've met with, um, you know, various uh, ministers from Singapore and France and Germany and, and, and so because uh, when, when they reach out and they say, hey, we're trying to figure out this, like, entrepreneurship or technology or, or the Internet or encryption or something, and we need to figure out how to make this the, the right shape for being good for society, that's part of, you know, when you have the ability to help, that's part of your responsibility, um, and so I do that, you know, I, I think of that globally, right? It's not just a, a question of, of, of the U.S., but, 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 but anywhere where people are serious about, like, how do we help people be better humans, um, you know, compassionate, wise, uh, you know, kind of collaborative together, and in, in which case, help as best
0: you can. So, so you have huge achievements in your career. What are you most proud of?
1: Um, well, I guess, um, you know, it's funny, these kinds of questions of the best, the most, I'm, I'm always a little bit bad at because it tends to be contextual. Um, so for example, you said as an entrepreneur, obviously I think it's LinkedIn, uh, and the creation of LinkedIn. Um, I think, you know, uh, as um, an investor it 's kind of recognizing these new network things uh, Airbnb and facebook and so forth as as ways of putting them together um, uh, as a board member it 's being a good collaborator uh, and and, help, and and knowing that, that this is their journey, but I am a helper right like i I am um, actually, in fact, uh, someone, um, uh, frequently I've been called Yoda, <laughs> right. Uh, as a, as a metaphor, but, but, but uh, one of the ones that was, was more fun recently is someone called me Gondolf, right? So it's kind of the, well, here's what you should think about doing. And maybe this is the way that you should, you, you should consider these risks and try this play. And so, and so all of that is stuff that I'm, I'm proud in. Um, but I also, of course, um, you know, I think part of the thing that's very important for everyone is, like, how are you with the people you work with? Would people you work with say, I would like to work with you for the rest of my life, and that we collaborate well together? And I think that, like, there's the, a the whole kind of tapestry of these kinds of things that I think I'm I am happy about and always trying to be better at.
0: So is there still something you would want to pursue in your career? Something?
1: Um, well, uh I, you know, I've been very lucky and very fortunate, and so it may be a little bit uh, overly ambitious to hope that that still the best is yet to come, uh, that there that there is still things that 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 I can do, and and you know when I, I there's a whole palette of problems I think about. I think about how do we use the internet to get more to truth um, and closer to truth. Obviously, we see elements of that working in LinkedIn versus other kinds of social networks. Um, I think about. Um, how do we build and define new kinds of networks that really make a big difference? I mean, like one of the things I think is very important right now that too often the world lose track of, loses track of is that any problem that you want to solve at scale, um, it can be uh, economic justice in society, um, it can be medicine, it can be education, all of which you should have a technological solution to. Technology is that is one of the major parts of that scale. So how do I help society realize that technological orientation and then the techno-futurists? Like, how do we make it? It doesn't mean that all technology is unabridgedly good, but we can shape it. We can make it to what we would like to be good. And, and how do we take that as a mindset and as an approach versus the sometimes fearful response of... Of, ooh, that's changing things, and i'm I'm fearful of it. And you're like, no, no, we're change is part of humanity. How do we change
0: to better? Exciting. And uh, uh, well, now that you are going to be a honorary doctor in in Olu, how was your connection to Olu, University of Olu, formed? Well,
1: I think you were my first connection to Olu, um, which is, you know, kind of uh, as a as a smart, uh, academic the thought it's not just about thinking and research but actually connecting with people who are doing you know who are who are being practitioners in the ground and how do you bring that theory and practice together and then that uh, made me see Olu and what you guys are doing uh, and so uh, but like but that that combination of of academia and scholarship and thoughtfulness together with like okay what matters is 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 that the the that kind of the rubber the the the, the changes in the world. Uh, and I first started tracking it, I think, through some of our earliest conversations.
0: And and you have been speaking uh, uh, about humanized technologies. What do you mean with those?
1: Part of what you think about is, how do we become better as human beings? Uh, and how do we have better individual and better societies? And so, you know, for example, um, you know, people worry about, like, well, a robot's going to replace human jobs and that's going to make a change. And then the question is, is, well, actually, in fact, that's uh, frequently what has happened with productivity in human society. It's like, well, the move from agriculture to manufacturing was a lot of of machinery that made agriculture much more efficient. And so you could take 90 percent of the human population off that uh, and and move them to other uh, tasks, even over 90 percent. And then, you know, I think similarly that sort of path. But then I think what you need to say, well, how do we create Uh, paths of creativity, of work, of of social participation, that as the landscape of work changes, that we still have that kind of healthy society participation. You can call it work or not call it work. and I think it's it's participation within the structure and the activity of society by which you're rewarded from participating in the group. And I think that's the kind of thing to think about technology it doesn't mean don't create autonomous vehicles. I actually think autonomous vehicles are going to be a super important part of unlocking future prosperity and 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 helping climate change within cities and redesigning space within cities and everything else. But it's like, okay, how do we then say, well, a bunch of works going to change. How do we help that change to being, you know kind of human beings with dignity? Um, and that's what I mean by kind of, of, of human-oriented technology.
0: And along the same lines, uh, this is a big question. You've been already touching it from different angles. Uh, but how would you distill? How do innovations happen?
1: Huh. Well. I think the way that innovations happen is always evolving and changing. There isn't one set formula. There isn't one, you know, like take these three ingredients, mix them together, presto changeo, innovation. Um, but I think there are some patterns. So the patterns are um, trying to be synthetic between different areas of 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 kind of of understanding and 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 like for example, you know, disciplines in academia, or. Um, thinking about what technological changes uh, open up, right? So you say, well, now we actually have this play, play where we can communicate with everybody in real time. What kinds of new patterns about how we can interact become that? Now we have a, a 24/7 always communicating. Well, how do our identities uh, lead into that? We have the internet. How does that how does that redo how we work? We have massive increases in data. Well, that means we can create AI. And we can create robotics and we can create personalized medicine. And so you begin thinking about like, what are these things that lead to new changes that as part of that new change can create something that's, you know, magical. Um, and, and that's that, that, those questions, that curiosity, that, that bringing in elements from er- different areas and thinking about where the trajectory is going is I think part of, you know, are, are the elements that help innovation come together, even though it's still always something about serendipity, mystery, curiosity is always there.
0: Thanks. It has been excellent to hear about your life and career. Two final questions. How does it feel like to be conferred as honorary doctor? What does this recognition mean for you?
1: Well, I'm. Uh, Hugely honored uh, and I'm very grateful. Um, You know, I've always uh, thought because from my various earliest days that that the participation in the academy and bringing the academy between the academy and the real world is one of the important places things happen. It's almost like the innovation question about like ideas applied to, you know, what we build, what we do. Um, and so the participation within the academy, and the landscape of ideas, and, 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 and learning, and teaching, and researching, and discovering is something that is uh, something I value deeply, and so I'm, I'm humbled uh, and honored.
0: And finally, if you would be asked to describe University of all with three words, three concepts, what would those words be? Always a challenge.
1: Um, wow, getting down to three words. It's much easier to say it longer. <laughs> um, um, inventive. Thoughtful. I'm looking for the right word. Synthetic is not human enough. It's
0: uh, integrative. Thank you. It has been wonderful. Hopefully we will see soon you in, in Olu, And thank you so much for this interview
1: pleasure and an honor and yes I, I look forward to visiting once we've 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 cleared the the pandemic uh, into our history books